As I stood in line at the airport immigration counter, I nervously slid my passport under my other papers. No one should see that I was from the U.S. When I handed my documents over to the Vietnamese immigration officer, he glanced at them, up at me, and then routinely stamped my passport. Done. I remember my first landing in Vietnam, 30 years earlier, in December 1969. We landed that time in Da Nang as well. I was in the Navy and on my way to my second ship in the Gulf of Tonkin. I flew 26 hours from Travis Air Base in California to Hawaii, then Guam. In the Philippines, I transferred from the Air America charter flight to a military transport. We sat backwards in the windowless jet. The pilot announced we'd be flying another four hours to Da Nang. Five or six hours passed. Then came the word we were beginning our descent. Thirty minutes passed. Forty-five. After an hour, I thought, this descent is taking way too long. Maybe we've been shot down. I'd been killed, and this was my assigned bit of purgatory, an endless descent into war. Thirty minutes later, we landed. It was 5 a.m. and still dark. The back section of the jet opened. A ramp lowered. I walked straight forward out the back onto the tarmac. I could see dawn beginning to break behind the mountains. Next to the ramp stood a line of buses. Beyond them, a row of wooden pallets. I heard automatic weapons shooting in the mountains. I was sent to a nearby building. On my way, I saw that the buses were filled with stretchers. As we'd left the jet... Soldiers folded down the seats and began carrying wounded troops aboard. A forklift truck loaded two of the pallets into the back of the jet. On each pallet, about twenty long black bags. Excuse me, sir. You see that white building? Before 1968, that was the U.S. Embassy. But there was much fighting and many soldiers died. After that, they moved the embassy closer to the presidential palace. That time wasn't so good for the young people, and my father had to go into the Vietnam army. After the war, they caught him, and he had to go to prison for about one year, because he was a lower-grade officer. I've come back to Vietnam. No, actually I never left, though during the war I only spent some days on land here. Friends ask me if I'm in search of something. Closure, an epiphany, 
Yes, I search, but I'm not waiting for anything. Maybe I search a little clarity, conversations and situations to put with the 30-year-old picture. I search reality in Ho Chi Minh City, the Saigon of 25 years ago, in Hue, the old imperial city in Saigon's center, and in Hanoi. My encounters here are accidental. Only Hugh, who I met through an email contact, waits for me in Hanoi. Saigon, a tropical, restless city. Mopeds define the street atmosphere. Saigon's five million residents own one and a half million mopeds. In 1985, only some hundred. But the primary means of transit as well as transport. Often you'll see an entire family, father, mother, two or even three children speeding along, or grandmothers wearing their conical rice hats riding across the city, all on these little 80cc Vietnamese built harness. The Cyclo is very popular for a long time in Vietnam. Earlier, there weren't so many taxis or motorbikes. When the door to the world was opened, the tourists came and they liked the Cyclo very much. Vin is 34 years old and one of more than 40,000 Cyclo drivers in Saigon. This morning I rode with him through parts of Cholon, the poor, largely Chinese section of the city. We stopped at a roadside stand for chicken soup, then onto the market. Children begged for me. Din warned against giving them anything, saying they'll be with me the rest of my time there. He's looking out for me, my protector. But I haven't seen any real danger. My Vietnam War began almost as a lark. In fact, the war wasn't part of my thinking when I joined the Navy in the spring of 1966. That was in Sacramento, California. I was 17, would finish high school in a couple of months. College wasn't even a question, and there was a military draft. 18 and not in school almost certainly meant the Army. Then two high school buddies said they were joining the Navy. Now I'm an Ericsson, from that long line of Viking seamen. My father had been in the Navy in World War II, submarines in the Pacific. My Danish grandfather, a merchant sailor on square riggers. If given the choice, drafted into the army or enlisting in the navy, what choice? At 17, I needed the consent of a parent. My father signed. I live with my uh, wife and my son. Now, I live with my son and wife. Every day, very hard work to find customers. Every day, different. I can't tell you how much money I get in my job because in the good day, it's very different from the bad day. The good day, different the bad day. Look like you go the river for your fishing. It's like being fisherman for the market. On the lucky day, you catch the big fish. On the unlucky day, no fish. Then you go home empty, hungry when you go home to your family. The Cyclo driver is like going fishing. Nineteen sixty-eight. Nineteen years old, now married and trained as an electronics technician with an emphasis in radar and TACAN, an air navigation system, and specialized in ECM, electronics warfare, 
I headed to see. Destination, Vietnam. The USS Hornet, a World War II aircraft carrier just refitted as the best submarine hunter in the U.S. fleet, was my first ship. Loaded with planes, helicopters, tons of sonar and electronic detection equipment, we sailed toward Hawaii. As we and our six destroyer escorts crossed the Pacific to Japan, we intersected the track of an autumn typhoon. The 44,000-ton ship was tossed about by the 70-foot waves like nature's play toy. Still, we headed on, now southwards to the Gulf of Tonkin. Our mission? To search for enemy submarines. The problem? Vietnam had no submarines. During that first cruise in the Gulf of Tonkin, looking for submarines, I had time to read, time to think. In the States, Martin Luther King and then Bobby Kennedy were killed. I began to ask, what am I doing here? I never thought of going to war with anyone. I remember a patriotic rally in high school. Recruiters from the Army, Marines, Air Force, and Navy visited. They urged us to sign up as soon as school ended. I don't believe they mentioned communism or Vietnam. More, see the world, live an adventure, be one of the few, the brave. No one had heard of draft resistance in 1966 in Sacramento, California. It was a year later, the end of 67, when I was at Navy Electronics School at Treasure Island in San Francisco Bay. The first anti-draft demonstration in Oakland, California. Joan Baez arrested. I watched it on the evening news. I respected the folk singer and didn't realize then the impact of her arrest. At that moment, there was only one way for me. I was in the Navy. I'd serve my time and get on with my life. When you're walking, you're sizing to some play. The people, they, they want to ask you something. When you're walking along the street and people ask you where you come from, how long you've been here, how do you feel in Vietnam, but they don't know more English. So they look at you and look in your face. They want to say with you, but you don't speak Vietnam language, very hard to say. Walking along a dense jungle path, the shrill hum of insects fills my ears. Humidity and rain. I feel a suffocating disorientation. Across a nearby stream, the sound of voices, a language impenetrable. To have been a soldier here, this way madness lies. Firefighters broken out around this compound. Minutes after we walked several hundred yards through the streets of the old Imperial City to get here. Hui, the old Imperial City, lies on the Perfume River, about a thousand kilometers north of Saigon, halfway to Hanoi. From 1802 until 1945, this was the political capital of Vietnam. I've taken a room in a small hotel directly on the river. The citadel sits on the other side, once home to the Forbidden City, now a reminder of a grander past. The citadel was almost completely destroyed during fierce battles 
Vietnamese against French, then later against the U.S. and its South Vietnamese Army. During the Tet Offensive in 1968, more than 10,000 soldiers and civilians were killed as Hue changed hands from south to north, then back to south over a period of several months. You have two for me. Thirteen, you said, yes? Yeah, It's six in the morning, and I'm on my way. Thirteen dollars, twenty-two people, and music all day. We're just one of a half a dozen buses on the road from Hue, heading toward the 17th parallel, the former demilitarized zone, the DMZ. In our bus, a European mix. Australians, Irish, French, Swiss, and a couple of Americans, mostly in their 20s and 30s. About 50 kilometers north of Hue lies the 17th parallel, the Benhai River. In 1954, after the Vietnamese army defeated the French at Dien Bien Phu, the strip of land became known as the Demarcation Line, a temporary division to allow the peaceful withdrawal of the French. In 1956, UN-supervised elections would select the president of a unified Vietnam. Certain of Ho Chi Minh's election, Diem, the U.S. and French-installed president in the South, canceled the vote. Vietnam would remain divided. A new war began. By 1963, thousands of U.S. military advisors were active in the South. Then, with the Gulf of Tonkin incident in 1966, the American War began. On the map, we are here now, the Rock Pound, yeah? and DMZ that way, about 15 kilometers from here, and Lao border that way, about 55 kilometers. So, Rock Pound was an observation base, so not many Americans, just 200 Americans here. And you see, during the war time, many American troops stay along here. So NVA, they always came to attack Americans. Sometimes they across DMZ. Sometimes they crossed Lao border to attack Americans. And in 1972, a lot of NVA from both sides, DMZ and Lao border, they came to attack Americans, and this time they captured whole area here. So American and the South Vietnamese troops, they left away, and they never came back here after 72. Our guy grew up in this region. He learned English talking with the American soldiers. He tells us that along this stretch of Highway 9, the U.S. and South Vietnamese built their most extensive fortification. And, you know, some... Before the war, the whole area here was cut by jungle. By jungle. Some American veterans come back here and they told me, in 66, at the beginning when they came here, they still saw some 
jungle around here. They told me they have seen a lot of monkeys on the hill. And during that time, even some tigers. But then because of bombing and chemical, so no any anymore now. They left. By late 69 aboard the aircraft carriers, we already knew about the secret air war. Under the guise of destroying the supply routes of the North Vietnamese army, the U.S. was bombing deeper into Laos and Cambodia. I was aboard my second ship, the Hancock, which I had joined after 10 days in Da Nang. On this ship, things were different. We weren't looking for submarines. This was a warship, flying as many as 150 sorties a day. We drive north on Highway 1. At every bridge stands an abandoned bunker, the same in and out of every town. Here in the sandy soil, the North Vietnamese Army buried their war dead and some of the more than 300,000 South and North Vietnamese missing soldiers. Our guide explains that still each year more than 5,000 people are killed or injured by landmines. He says the government needs $20 million to finish clearing the mines. But without help from, for example, the U.S., which laid many of the mines, it will take another 20 years before the land is safe. $19 million the U.S. government spends each year, not on mine clearing, but searching Vietnam for the 2,000 U.S. MIAs. I guess her message, what her message, I I believed in what she was saying, but I just believe... One young American on the bus is still upset by a photo of Jane Fonda, which she saw in Hanoi. Taken in 1972, she was standing on a North Vietnamese anti-aircraft. And everybody, you know, you try to talk to some of my father's friends, and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to Vietnam, and and I'll try to ask them about it, and they'll just kind of, they'll just look at the floor. Or something. They don't really want to talk about it. So I just think it's... I, I didn't really know a lot about it. I didn't know about the Geneva Convention, that there were supposed to be elections, and then the country divided. I think that's really a... I don't know, that's very interesting. You know, deep down, 48,000 kids, you know, younger than me. I mean, I'm 28 years old, and I'm, I still feel like a kid. We're killed, and I guess you look for some justification. You know, whether it was wrong or right, you, you want, you know... My uncle was killed in Vietnam, you know, somebody I never met. You want to say, oh, what did he die for, you know? So that's, that's kind of, I'm not, I'm not, it's not so much patriotic, but I want to see, I want to, I want to say that some people really, there was, there was something good that was happening. They were trying to, whether in the, in the big picture it was wrong. You know what I mean? I, there was a, maybe a little good or something. Maybe there wasn't, you know? You look for justification, some, something, but you realize, I guess, in the end, that we had no business being here in the end. It, was, uh, it, it wasn't right. We didn't honor the G- Geneva Convention, which I just learned. That's what I thought. God, that really is a sticker, you know, because I didn't even know that. From 1954 to 75.
You see, uh, during world time, the original bridge here, the southern half of the bridge, yellow, and the northern half, red. You see, different color. <laughs> and uh, before, this area was controlled by police, and nobody could cross the border. You know, during the world time on, I always wanted to come to see the border, but it's not possible. And many, many Vietnamese people wanted to come here, but not possible. And after 75, when the world finished, many, many people came to see the border. That's enough. We feel very happy when the world finished. Towards the end of my second week in Vietnam, I arrive in Hanoi. Finally, Hugh and I will meet. We've been in almost daily contact since I arrived in Singapore. Hugh is 24, like 60% of the population born after the war. Hugh came to the hotel at 6 p.m., directly from work. He writes for the Vietnam News, the official English-language newspaper in Vietnam. Hugh notes that there are only official language papers in Vietnam, still no free press. He laughs and says he doesn't consider it a barrier to his expression. A speedy taxi trip across Hanoi delivered us at his favorite restaurant. Now, after dinner, he wants to visit his family. We drive back across Hanoi, arriving in front of a steel door at a four-story concrete block house. We're greeted by Hugh's grandmother. My father is looking at his uh, fancy table here, attached great importance uh, in fancy. Hugh explains to his mother that we're friends he met on the internet. My mother works for a hotel company. Welcome. Come on. <laughs> my, my, my mother thinks uh, I should be at company now because I'm supposed to be on duty today. But but uh, we 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 swept uh, ships. So. And this, uh, this is the machine I can take with you. This is the. The, the computer. Ah, uh, the computer. Our, our communication link. Yeah. The you have you have internet here at home. Yes. Yes. This is the altar. Uh, my, uh-huh. my. This is my grandfather. Uh, he died uh, seven years ago. Uh, this is the, uh, the the incense. We burn incense uh, um, about three times per month. You know, the, at the beginning of the month, at the mid month, we call mid month uh, events. And they, at the beginning, uh, at the end of the month, also. And uh, Oriental people believe that when the incense is burnt, so the soul will, the soul of the dead will come back, uh, will swirl around, flying back and forth, and uh, yeah, enjoy the food, which is laid uh, <laughs> on the altar. Sometimes my mother, she's, yes, she's quite good at. Communicating, I think. <laughs> she wants to communicate everything. Yeah. 
every time, at, at any time. And uh, when she's very angry, she, she, she comes here. And when she's very happy, she comes here. We sit. I begin to talk with Hugh's father. He's a few years older than me and very at ease. Me, bewildered. Hugh is my bridge. He translates. Uh, every blessing begins with chuk, and chuk anon is the last phrase. Chuk anon was the last phrase I told you. Mm-hmm. But this is chuk uh, kwe, mean health. Good health. Chuk sức khỏe. Về nền móng, nghiên cứu về thành phần hóa học của nước, cái tính chất cơ lý của đất đá để xây dựng. I worked as a geologist studying the different strata of the soil for building. I really wanted to go to the south and study the soil there. I traveled close to the border and looked over the Benhai River to the other side to see what it looked like in the south. But I could not cross the river and my friend said that it's too dangerous and that I must turn back. One evening at dusk, I walked across the flight deck to my electronics room on the other side of the ship, my normal shortcut when they weren't flying. That evening, 60 fully armed jets sat ready for a pre-dawn launch. Under each wing hung pods of three, four, or five bombs, high explosive, and the distinctly shaped anti-personnel bombs, guava bombs, pineapple bombs, shrapnel bombs. Tôi cũng rất nhiều lần chết hụt vì bom Mỹ. I narrowly escaped death many times during the war. The bombs rained on either side of the road as I switched back and forth. My friends joked about me, saying that I must be very fortunate walking through the rain of bombs. Most of the time, I rode a bicycle which is the best way to travel in the war. It's easy to hide by the side of the road. I even bicycled from province to province during the war. Shrapnel bombs. They explode a few hundred feet above the ground, blasting thousands of sharp metal pieces into anything within range. Specifically designed for the war in Vietnam, anti-personnel bombs were dropped extensively along the border of Laos and Cambodia. Then, like now, most people lived in bamboo huts. The shrapnel pierced the walls and ceilings, leaving the buildings standing while killing the occupants. Goats, pigs, chickens, dogs, people. Indiscriminate. As we plowed through the placid waters of the Gulf of Tonkin, I walked forward on the flight deck to the bow. When forward enough, you can look out and see only water. There's no ship, no war, only me in the ocean. On this evening, it was clear I'd made a mistake. không tham gia về chiến trận nhưng mà cũng chẳng khác gì tham gia nên là cũng có gặp những cái nguy những cái hiểm những cái vui cái buồn nhiều khi tôi đi công tác tôi làm ở một cái nông thôn ở đây we used to have to evacuate from the city for very long periods we lived in villages along the outskirts of Hanoi and in other provinces as well I remember one night after working all day I came back to the village and I was so tired that I went to bed directly after eating dinner 
That night, a bomb was dropped on the village, and a friend who slept in a nearby house was killed. I was terrified when I heard the news. He was my friend, and nobody woke me. Now, in this ordinary family house in Hanoi, I understand better my anger and sadness of these past thirty years. This man, this geologist who wants a sample of the soil from the other side of the Benhai River, radiates with the gentleness of a monk. I look into his eyes as he speaks, and I feel his heart pour out. I have tears in my eyes. I ask myself, how is it possible that I, that my government, could want to kill him? Even when he wasn't a soldier, we wanted to kill him, only because he was a communist and he supported his country, his government. We couldn't accept the idea that he wasn't of the same mind as us. More than three and a half million Vietnamese were killed in this war. Seldom have I met a more gentle person. Seldom have I felt a more genuine regret. Lớp trẻ bây giờ thì qua mấy cuộc chiến tranh, những người nào mà với lại cái tuổi như là bọn tôi thì trải qua hai cuộc chiến tranh là thời kỳ chiến tranh với Pháp và chiến tranh Mỹ. My generation experienced two wars, first with the French and then with the Americans. What I think about the next generation, my children, for example, well, I'm proud of them. Thì họ sẽ cùng với những cái lớp người đi trước mà còn vẫn bây giờ vẫn còn sống và kể đồng lứa tuổi với họ đấy cũng có những người sẽ giỏi. I think it's a good trend for the next generations not to think so much about the war. But rather to think about the economy and building the country. But I believe that when we educate them, their spirit can be raised to defend our sovereignty. I think they could be made strong when we combine them. There's a Vietnamese saying: when we have just one tree. It makes nothing, but when we combine three together, it makes a mountain. Và mọi người người dân Việt Nam nói chung, mà có thể cả nhân dân Mỹ nữa, tức là thấy cái giá trị của hòa bình. Hòa bình vẫn là hay nhất. My personal Vietnam War began when my first ship, after nine months in Vietnam, returned to Long Beach, California. It was spring 1969. At one of the local hangouts, Thomas, my Navy buddy. Picked up a copy of the Long Beach Free Press. Inside, we discovered duck power. Now, to understand, harbor duck is a derogatory name for a sailor, so duck power was a publication for dissatisfied sailors. The paper was forbidden by the Navy, but because of my rank, I brought it aboard unchecked. We distributed duck power extensively and began contributing short articles. After the war, we Vietnamese found out a truth. A forever truth, and I think you Americans also found it, that peace is so important for all of us. We don't need war, but peace for everybody. He presses for us to leave. He has to return to work. We agree to remain in contact by email. There was a stir of activity aboard the Hornet in May of 1969. We'd received orders to sail to the South Pacific and recover the astronauts from the Apollo 11 moon landing. Mostly, the crew were excited; they'd be a part of history. I was angry. Only some weeks back from nine months in the Gulf of Tonkin, and now another two months at sea.
Sunday morning, the one work-free day of the week in Vietnam. I set off by moped in search of a popular waterfall. Rice fields, water buffalo, and fish farms fill the miles on this coastal road. Parallel runs a single pair of train tracks, Ho Chi Minh City to Hanoi. Leaving the moped behind, I follow a trail along the stream. I come to an isolated house. An elderly man comes out and begins speaking to me in French, here in the middle of nowhere. It's evening as I arrive back in the city, and on my way to meet Dr. Mai Khan, I'm greeted by public loudspeakers blaring the official state radio broadcast. Bản thân gia đình chúng tôi, bản thân qua hai cuộc chiến tranh là từ My family experienced two wars of resistance. First the war against the French, and then the war against the Americans. Thì sau giải phóng thì càng khó. Sau giải phóng các ông biết rồi, rất là khó khăn về mọi phương diện. Trong cái ngành y của chúng tôi, bản thân tôi thì làm phó giám đốc. My father was a leader of the resistance in South Vietnam. We, the family, remained in the north. Nhưng mà cũng có nhiều bác sĩ ở lại và cùng với chúng tôi hoạt động. In 1975, when the country was once again unified, I returned home to Nanchang. Many of the doctors fled as the communists came from the north. Some departments had no personnel, doctors or nurses. I began to try first to maintain the basic health system of the province. Now all again is normal. Through duck power, Thomas and I learned of the American Servicemen's Union. Their demands included the right to refuse to participate in illegal wars, like in Vietnam. We set to work. In a short time, 50 men on the Hornet had joined. We started organizing small actions. Memorable? We made an official request to wear black armbands during the Apollo recovery, a show of support for the anti-war moratorium. Our division officer went berserk. Though simply a request and completely legal, it would reflect badly on him. He'd lost control of his men. We'd have to withdraw it. I was asked, don't you support the commander-in-chief? I answered that President Nixon said he wanted peace. Then, after more men joined us, we were assured a hearing with the ship's executive officer. He met with a few of us one by one. He said to me that he could understand my dissatisfaction with the war, but added, it's the only war we've got. Let's make the best of it. Agent Orange, dioxin, is still a problem. In Vietnam, there are still more than 200,000 people who suffer directly from its effects. During the course of the war, the study of certain disciplines of medicine was intensified. 
For example, surgery, treatment of wounds, other illnesses stood in the background because they had to set priorities. Chiến tranh ở miền Bắc bằng không quân của Mỹ nha. Mm. Thế chúng tôi phải lo học những cái môn để phục vụ chiến tranh. It wasn't until 86 we received Và the first ultrasound machine, which was already common in other hospitals and clinics. Cho nên chúng tôi phải học những cái môn mà để tặng cho cái bệnh viện chúng tôi một cái một cái máy gọi là siêu âm đó, mà coi như là Four months after I came aboard the Hancock in Vietnam, I found my way out of the Navy. Maybe the catalyst was that night with the bombs on the flight deck. I made a decision. I'd go crazy. Anyway, isn't it crazy just to be in the military? I only had to convince them. I became reclusive, always reading, sitting wherever I found myself, on the top of a cabinet, in the middle of a passageway. Our bunk room was directly under the flight deck. I no longer slept when they flew jets. In one flash of brilliance, I told my division officer that my electronics knowledge was being pushed out of my head into my hair. Every haircut meant I knew less. I didn't want any more haircuts. One day, my chief badgered me, get a haircut. I lashed out, fuck your haircuts. The division officer called me in. I told him coolly that my first thought when the chief hassled me, I wished I'd had a gun, I'd shoot the son of a bitch. I told him I was getting out of the Navy. Whether he wanted to help me or hinder me, I was getting out. Dishonorable, undesirable, bad conduct. I didn't care what type of discharge I was getting out. He believed me. The next day I was told I'd be processed for an undesirable discharge. Thế nên là coi như là sau chiến tranh thì bị tàn phá nhiều. The time after the war is the time to rebuild and raise the living standards. Chính phủ Việt Nam thì luôn luôn là lo cho cái cuộc sống của dân đã và đang phấn đấu cho cái làm thế nào để dân đỡ khổ. On April 30th, 1975, the war ended, and it makes no sense to brood over it or seek revenge. This was also our attitude toward the French. Để dân sung sướng hơn. Now we have the best relations with the French, and so we'll make it with the U.S. At the moment, we focus our total energy on one question, how to make a better living for the people. In Vietnam, the war is over. Often during my trip, I heard the sentence, Vietnam is a country, not a war. We have been a few thousand years ago, sister. We were three thousand years ago, sister. Have been the immortalizing creature. In its four thousand year history, Vietnam has more than two thousand years of war, explained a literature professor in Saigon. The American War was only one of many for the Vietnamese, as he said, only a little game, and they won. From 1965 to 1975, America's Vietnam War. A long time in their short history, and they lost. People say to me, you're lucky you came through the war so well. What do they mean? That I can talk about the war and take responsibility for my part in the killing of three and a half million Vietnamese? Those jets with their anti-personnel bombs couldn't have flown without me me and the other cogs in the machine. We not only let them fly, we helped them fly. When the pilots came back, they seldom talked about the people they killed. 
rather about trucks, trees, and water buffalo. On Operation Stone, uh, there was a lieutenant colonel there, and two people had their heads cut off and put on stakes and stuck in the middle of the field. And we were notified that there were press covering the operation and that we couldn't do that anymore. Or do they mean, when they say, you're lucky you came through this so well, that I didn't commit suicide? It's said more than 60,000 Vietnam veterans did so since the war, more than the 57,000 who died during it. The, the younger generation, I think uh, they are very positive nowadays. They are hardworking people, and we deserve, we deserve success, successes in the future, I think. And uh, our, our friends from, from Asian uh, and Japanese and, and other countries say that Vietnam will be a, could be a tiger in the future. Why not? <laughs> and we have our strength. We are, we are intelligent. We have an 80 million population. And we have many resources untapped. In one of Saigon's many internet cafes, I checked my email. In the corner, incense burned in front of a small altar. A young Vietnamese woman sitting next to me made notes as she read a Chinese website. Back in the hotel room in Saigon, I'm packing my bags, collecting memories. I clip through the TV channels, CNN, Sky TV, TV5, and four or five state channels. My story has no end. Tomorrow, I fly home. If you enjoyed this documentary, you might like to listen to our other Documentary on One productions. Visit rte.ie forward slash doc on one.